0: Franchise players. I'm your host Desmond Johnson. Believe in Panthers podcast. Uh, the podcast I typically host with Tyron Pool in season. Uh, back with some mini episodes here, uh, starting this week, um, and actually for se- this very first uh, episode that we'll have for the 2021 season, Eric Summers on the line with me here. Cat Scratch Reader Editor. You can find their work over at CatScratchReader.com. If you're a Panthers fan, definitely bookmark it and check them out. Eric, what's going on this morning?
1: Uh, everything's good. How you doing, Desmond?
0: Pretty good, man. Pretty busy, as have our Panthers been as well. They've been super busy over the past week or so, bolstering that defensive squad via free agency. Uh, on defense, uh, ESPN currently projecting the front uh, line for the Panthers 4 3 base defense would be the newly signed Hassan Reddick, Mike Panacewicz at defensive tackle, second year top pick Derek Brown at DT, and emerging star uh, Brian Burns at the opposite uh, side at DE, uh, Yatur Matos Gross. Marquise Haynes, newly signed Morgan Fox, and defensive tackle Bravion Roy would would fill out that that rotation. How good can this defensive line be for starters, Eric?
1: Well, I got to tell you, I feel a lot better about it now than I did two weeks ago. Uh, It it was very thin, and we were missing some players that I felt to be legitimately placed correctly. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about a unit that could be one of the best in the NFC South um i really like the additions they made i really especially it's 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 maybe not the biggest name of the bunch but i really like the addition of Morgan Fox i like that he can play end and i like that he can play the three technique um he's gonna be somebody that we missed really heavily last season as soon as Kwan short went out for the year and of course had a another shoulder surgery um when, when as soon as Quan short left the lineup we didn't really have a true three technique we had three nose tackles on the roster. Um, So now we've got somebody who actually has some pass rushing ability or can be moved off to the end. Uh, The the same way we moved F.A. Obata inside last year, and it wasn't a great fit. Uh, F.A. could play at that position, but he quite often in the run game was getting bullied, and Morgan Fox has a little bit more substance and mass to him and has proven out in L.A. that he'd be a little bit harder to move off his spot. So I think I think we're going to see a lot more of Morgan Fox at uh, that under tackle role than people are talking about right now. Um, as far as the bookends, I really think we're going to see less 4-3 uh, this year. I think we're going to see more three-man fronts. We're going to see a 4 two, 5 stack. We're going to see 3 three fives. Uh, We're going to see the traditional 3-4. Um, I think Burns will continue to put his head in the dirt or his hand in the dirt on the regular, but I think Hassan Reddick is going to do most of his rushing from an outside linebacker spot. And whether you put him on the same side as Burns or you put him on the opposite side as Burns, you're creating a huge mismatch for the offense. You're going to have to keep tight ends in close on a regular basis, or there's just no way that both tackles are going to win that matchup each time
0: let's stay with the defensive line real quick and you mentioned something that actually drove me kind of batty last year and that was that three three five scheme that uh defensive coordinator Phil snow was running it, it felt like sometimes they they went into some battles outmatched outgunned and they would use that three three five they had a stretch last year in the in the season where they literally they were playing like a a former league or Super Bowl MVP like every week for like five or six weeks straight from Tom Brady to Pat Mahomes to Drew Brees. And it felt like they would go back to that three-three-five just to have extra defenders back there in the secondary. Do you think that was more due to just being undermanned in terms of talent with the, the defensive uh, guys we had last year? Or is that a philosophy that you really think that Phil Snow is going to attempt to continue to do as he gets more uh, talent? infused into this defense is that three three five something that's uh, a base that you, you expect us to see more often or was that something that we were just seeing last year because we you know couldn't you know do anything else
1: right right I, I think I think it's something we are going to try to see a little bit more often and now we'll have better personnel to do it so last year it was a it was a crime of necessity right so we weren't good at the linebacker positions uh, we weren't good in the back end so we just needed more bodies back there uh, they put a lot of emphasis on stopping the big play. And the result, of course, was giving up a lot of, you know, eight to 10 yard uh, regular plays, which of course isn't great either. But they did succeed in not giving up the big play quite so often. I think this year, especially with the addition of uh, Perriman at a middle linebacker, we finally have three linebackers that I would say work well in a three-three-five. Although I think Perriman will spend most of his time on the field, on rundowns. He's he's still pretty good in coverage. He's definitely better than to hear Whitehead in every shape or form. Um, but I think we now have a little bit better personnel to look at for the 3-3-5. I still would prefer um, most schemes to have us a little bit more front heavy, like a 3-4 base. Um, I think as, as often as we can get to the quarterback, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't divest what are still our strongest positions, which is Brian Burns, and Hassan Reddick. Both of those guys should be in a position to rush the quarterback on passing downs. It doesn't matter what you think they're going to try to do or what the situation is. Both of them, neither should be dropping back. Both should be going after the quarterback every single time.
0: Uh, Actually, let's stay right there with Hassan Reddick, who was probably the biggest splash that the Panthers made uh, in free agency last week, Uh, a defensive end to compliment Burns on the opposite side. I saw a... um, a Twitter video from a, a good friend of tobacco road, John Ellis that you guys had uh, on that article, that actually that you were writing about the additions where he literally had like a, a play for Burns and a play for Reddick, like side by side. And they look like mirror opposites. Oh, well not mirror opposites, uh, like mirror images of each other in terms of how they were rushing the quarterback and getting there uh pretty breakneck speed. Do they have the potential in your mind to be a top duo of defensive ends, you know, in terms of uh, sacking the quarterback not just in the NFC South, but across the league, uh, something that we really haven't had in Carolina since, I don't know, maybe Charles Johnson and
1: Party and Johnson. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, so it's been, and that was, wow, that was going on like five years ago. So, I mean, it's been a while since we've had talent at both sides of defensive uh, end. Although when you really look back over the history of the Panthers, it feels like that's kind of always been a philosophy to have two guys that can get to you from off the edge. Uh, so let's talk about the potential of the Reddick and Burns pairing together, how much will having Redick on one side help Burns on the other? Because he was starting to see a lot of double teams towards the end of the year.
1: Well, it's going to make it so that teams are going to be less able to spread the field against us. I think you're going to have to see, if Reddick is getting to the quarterback early and often next season, you're going to see a lot of teams play two tight ends against us most of the time, which, of course, is going to limit their ability to go deep. Um, I, think, I think it's going to – so the great thing about Reddick, and, of course, the great thing about Burns – is they're two of the fastest players to get to, quote-unquote, the spot uh, every single time that they rush the quarterback, whether that means they actually put a hit on the quarterback or they just get an arm out and influence the quarterbacks, you know, influence what the quarterback wants to do in the pocket. Um, you know, we, call it, we would call that stat of pressure usually. Um, it's, it's a really good way to get inside a quarterback's head. doesn't matter who they are. doesn't matter how long they've been in the league. If you feel that a guy is always around you all the time, it's going to affect your perception of when you can throw the football and who's open. And it's going to lead to mistakes, as it did last year. And I think as it will even more this year when you've got two guys that are just as fast getting to the spot. I still think that Reddick will be in the best situation if we're trying to not put him on a defensive tackle and, or not a defensive tackle, an offensive tackle. And uh, it was proven the reason he had less sacks in his earlier years in Arizona is they were making him line up as a trad- traditional D.E. more often, and he was matched up against tackles. He had a lot more success when he was split out wide and had to face tight ends as opposed to tackles, and that's what we saw against the Giants last year when he uh, when he basically – I'm sure Daniel Jones is still up at night thinking about what Hassan Reddick did to him. Uh, five sacks, yeah, four fumbles. I mean, just, just a ridiculous game. Um, But it's very exciting. I think it's going to be very tough to stop no matter who the offense is. Uh, You're just asking a lot of your tackles and your tight ends and they're just simply not going to win as often as you'd want them to.
0: Eric Summers joining us here. Uh, follow him on Twitter at tater five nine six. Cat Scratch Reader Editor uh, in Chief. How would you rate the overall additions to the defense for new General Manager Scott Fitterer coming over from Seattle? It feels like all of the teams, uh, all the uh, the deals that they signed were extremely team friendly cap deals, like short uh, short deals, no long term commitments, one year, two year type deals. Uh, What does that tell you regarding the front office philosophy of these current uh, Carolina Panthers?
1: Well, it tells me that they're looking a little bit toward the future from a salary cap perspective. They don't want to get tied into anything. Uh, They're not sure how competitive they'll be next year. Uh, It's all going to depend on their ability to get a quarterback or not. Um, So I think that says to me that they want to keep their options open beyond 2021 and start looking more so toward 2022. Uh, there's a chance that the team could be exceptionally good next year. It really depends on what we can acquire at quarterback and how quickly they can acclimate. But um, I think it says to me mostly that they're, they're going to see who if they can find people that fit. They're going to see if they can move people around a little bit more often and see if they latch on fast. Um, and they're going to give guys who maybe don't love their market value as far as getting a long-term deal right now, and Reddick is a perfect example of this, uh, they'll be able to bring them in on a contract that doesn't, doesn't necessarily pay them what their talent is worth, but it gives them a chance to prove themselves. And if they prove themselves, then Carolina will get that first crack at giving them that long-term deal as the team that they're already on versus them walking. If, you know, if they get too expensive, then they walk away in free agency and they don't leave us with all that dead money. So, I think it speaks to a difference in philosophy versus what Herney did, which was more long-term guaranteed money, which can work, um, but often in the NFL doesn't. Usually a guy is going to have a bad injury at some point or his production is going to fall off, and you have that long-term deal with them, so you end up with a ton of dead money when you have to release them in favor of a better player. So far, I really like what the philosophy I've seen from Fitterer is um, and I don't think anybody has any really arguments about the defensive signings. I know some people have some arguments against the offensive linemen we signed. I disagree with most of those arguments. I think both of them were good signings. But overall, been very impressed with what Fitterer has done so far. And I think you have to be pretty happy with his job to this point.
0: Let's uh, let's move a level back uh, into the, the linebacking core here talking Panthers uh, defensive changes here with Eric Summers from Cat Scratch Reader ESPN and a lot of other uh, outlets still have Jeremy Chin listed as a starting weak side linebacker for the Panthers. Do you expect being a Panthers insider? Do you expect Chin to settle in at linebacker or safety eventually for the Panthers?
1: Well, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily put a, as a uh, label on him. I think we're going to change it up based on what we want to do. I think we're, we're going to have him play a, uh, a rover role, I would say. You know, I think his primary position might very well be safety now, but I think he's going to be out there. doesn't matter what the, what the scheme is or what the alignment's uh, going to be. He's going to be out there, and it may be either as a, sa- a safety or a linebacker or as just that guy, which is what the rover role is. You're essentially trusting a guy who's hyper athletic and has good instincts, like he does, to pick his spot on the field where he think he'll make, where he thinks he'll make the best impact, and uh, just to go with it. And I think giving him that sort of flexibility is going to result in even more playmaking from him. Uh, obviously, he had an amazing rookie season. You got to think he's only going to get better. Uh, obviously, he's in the Panthers' long term plans, uh, and he's making a he's making a pretty strong impact on the league as a whole. So uh, I think we'll end up listing him as a safety. I think most often, especially since we let go of Trey Boston, uh, he will be lining up high, but uh, I would not be surprised on certain, certain alignments to see him walk up a little closer to the line of scrimmage. I think we'll see a lot of safety blitzes. Um, he's just a versatile player. And I think that's, That's obviously something that we have valued since Matt Rule has come here, and we continue to value uh, in the second year with Rule and Fitterer GM. There's a lot of players who obviously have some position versatility. That's going to allow us to make less substitutions, and it's going to make it harder on the offense to plan for what these guys are going to do.
0: One of the additions that Scott Fitterer brought in, and again, Scott Fitterer put in work uh, last week, uh, almost like a surgeon in terms of, plucking guys that they wanted uh, without having to spend a whole lot of money and the, and the Panthers came into the free agency period with about 29 $30 million in salary cap room, so they had some some bucks to actually play with. I want to talk about the addition of Denzel Perryman because I'm actually really I'm more, I think, geeked about adding him yes. than almost anyone else that they added just for what he does and, and just knowing what the Panthers lacked last year, which was a, a really strong run defense. Um, let's talk about adding him to the linebacking core along with Shaq Thompson and Jeremy chin what made the Panthers go after him in your opinion and what's his top quality as a defender
1: well the thing that I love about Perriman he is just he is hungry that that man wants to eat um and I and I love it Uh, the way he plays the game he's tough as nails unfortunately he hurts himself somewhat often uh because he hits so hard but uh he is very committed he's very good at play recognition um, he'll be able to see what's happening in the run game particularly and be able to shoot a gap. And if somebody comes through there, woe be unto them. Uh, I have yet to find a clip where even though he's a little bit smaller, he's built like a brick house. And when he makes contact with you in the hole, you go backward. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're Derek Henry. You go backward. Um, and oftentimes the football goes flying. Uh, I just I really like that. how he plays the
0: game. He's old yeah. school. I love that. I, I mean, because I did see a couple of clips uh, that I, I saw on Twitter, went up and went and looked at him uh, just to kind of get a feel for him. And you're absolutely right. Like, he he's what we call uh, – I do a lot of high school play-by-play for football stuff around here up in the triad. And he's what we would call a thumper. He, he, he likes absolutely. to bring the thump. Like, I mean, that's kind of his calling card. And that was kind of missing, really, from – uh, the Panthers, that you know, when Luke Keekley retired, we didn't really have a guy that was like a dog that could just go get it, like from the linebacking core. I like Shaq, but he's not really that. Um, and Jeremy Chen, I think, is going to be better suited at safety overall in the end. I think eventually he's going to get put back there um, to kind of save the wear and tear on his body. Um, and to piggyback on what you were saying about uh, Chen, I've kind of compared him a little bit to a smaller size Cam Chancellor in terms of he kind fair. of. Yeah, yeah that he roams. He, he, there's really not a position he plays. It's really kind of a a, a, a freestyling kind of slash linebacker safety type role where he can stay on the field, you know, third down, fourth down, uh, and still contribute at a, at a high level. So uh, I like what they're doing. It feels like they're building around what they did last year in the draft and building around those pieces and the pieces they already had there with Brian Burns and whatnot. Um, the, uh, back to this – mock uh that we talked about before uh Mel Kiper currently has the panthers trading with miami for the third overall pick the draft quarterback justin fields from ohio state now i was really high on justin fields after that clemson ohio state semifinal i was like wow this dude is probably playing with busted ribs and is destroying clemson's defense right now but then for some reason like the next time i saw him against alabama I, I don't know my mentality shifted on him or something and it was really not even his fault like literally Ohio State they played their national championship game against Clemson like they wanted Clemson since they lost to Clemson the year prior in the, in the national semifinal so they built it up to the, you know the, everything was for that game and you could tell when they played Alabama so they, they didn't play a very good game it feels like fields has been all over the place in terms of the the, the, the draft mocks, and I feel like out of all the quarterbacks uh, out of these four or five that they're talking about, Fields feels like the one that may drop, like Aaron Rodgers style, like meteorically, like out of the top ten potentially. Between Fields or North Dakota State's Trey Lant who the Panthers sent a lot of people to his pro day uh, a week or so ago, which would you rather see in a Panther uniform as the Panthers' starting quarterback of the future and why? Uh,
1: this is an easy answer for me. I, it would be Justin Fields. I would much rather see Fields in a Panthers uniform. I feel that he is more prepared for the speed of the professional game than Lance is. And I'm I'm going to be honest. I've seen far too many quarterbacks that come from the lower divisions of football that simply aren't what they appear as soon as they get put into an NFL atmosphere. Um, and those guys, um, certainly there are exceptions like McNair, um, but quite often it's a very huge adjustment period for them. And I don't think that we're going to be very patient in Carolina. Like, for sure, we could, we could draft Lance, and we could sit him this entire season and play Bridgewater. But something, something about our coaching staff, something about our front office, something about our owner tells me there's going to be a lot of impatience to get somebody who is not Bridgewater out on that field. And Fields, because of the level of football that he's played at, the competition he's played against and won against, Um, I think he is more ready to contribute in the NFL right now. Um, Lance's numbers are obviously gaudy, but so are Fields. I mean, he has had some big games and had some big moments. Yes, they had a letdown against Alabama, but does one game an entire career make? does, Does losing to Alabama suddenly make you a worse quarterback than some other options? I don't think so. I think Fields has more of the tools that I look for in an NFL quarterback than Lance does. um, And he has proven it against competition that is as close to NFL level as you can get. Um, Sorry, that's my phone. It's okay. (laughs) Um, He has proven it at a level as close to the NFL as you can get um, versus somebody like Trey Lance. Uh, So I'd much rather see Justin Fields in a Panthers uniform.
0: Yeah. It's crazy too, because uh, you know, since he transferred to Ohio state, uh Justin Fields is like 34 and 2 or something crazy like that in those 2 years and those 2 losses were to Alabama and Clemson. <laughs> so it's like yeah. I mean what are we nitpicking here like when it comes to Justin Fields uh I'm kind of with you although I have opened my mind to the the idea of staying at 8 uh drafting Trey Lance at 8 if he's still sitting there and having him sit a year or start the year sitting behind Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe I should put it that way. So he can kind of learn the Brady offense and, you know, where to go and that kind of thing. And then ease him in. Although that the very same scenario could apply to Justin Fields. I just don't know if I want to trade up for any of these quarterbacks in this draft. Like I'm almost okay with staying at eight and just seeing what falls to us. Cause I, I, yeah. I just don't, I just don't think four quarterbacks are going to go in the first four picks. It just doesn't sound like it, something that would happen, you know?
1: Right. It, it doesn't sound like something. It's never happened in the history of the NFL draft that I know of, at least. And I don't yeah. think it's going to happen now. Um, it, it sounds good because every, the, all the talk of the offseason has been about quarterbacks. And that's that's usually how the draft works, right? I mean, we're all focusing on these potential, the next great franchise quarterbacks, so to speak. It's usually how it goes every year. But there are plenty of people that with top 10 grades that could easily – find their way into those earlier picks. I think anybody in the league would be extremely happy to draft Sewell, the offensive tackle, mm-hmm. one of those early picks. Uh, and then you've got Pitts from Florida, who's probably going to be the next great tight end in the NFL. Uh, he That would know, be much earlier than a tight end usually goes in the draft, but he is an extremely talented individual. And tight end, definitely a, a position that the Panthers could use help at. Um, so – I mean, I see the I see both philosophies. I am usually not a fan of trading up. However, I think there's a good chance that next year, that even if we have Bridgewater at quarterback, we're probably going to have an even better record than we had this year, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be in less of a position to get a quarterback next year, even though we probably would still have a need. So, as much as I hate the thought of giving up a lot and trading up uh, five picks to get another to get a quarterback. Um, I feel like this might be our best chance for a while. I think we're building a strong team for the future here. And we've got – when you look at our success in the draft last year and you look at guys who have made an impact in year one and you've got to think, well, they're only going to get better and we've got them locked into rookie deals for another three or four years, uh, our window is going to start opening very soon, which to me says we need to get that quarterback and we need to think about making ourselves competitive as soon as possible. Uh, it, it's a it's a tough decision. I don't envy uh, anybody in the in the in the room who has to make that final call. Uh, I think, as a fan and as an analyst, I will understand either way we decide to go.
0: Uh, Eric Summers here with me from Cat Scratch Reader. Uh, he is their editor-in-chief. Follow him on Twitter at Tater596. Real quick before I get you out of here, Eric, uh have to touch on it because the Panthers keep getting attached to it. Thoughts on the ever-evolving Deshaun Watson situation? Um, I'm not even going to give a number out because it changes like constantly right now. And By the time I put this out, it might be out of date. Does it make sense for Carolina to continue to kick the tires on a trade still with everything swirling around the 25-year-old Texan superstar quarterback?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, it's unfortunate for him. Uh, It's going to take longer than the draft. It's going to take longer than all these other things that really are going to determine where he might be playing next season. Um, And of course, there are people saying that it's a giant conspiracy against him. But if you're the Panthers, it doesn't matter if it's conspiracy or not. You cannot afford to put forth all the resources that you would have to, to acquire Deshaun Watson, even if his price tag were slightly lowered right now because of this, Uh, you cannot stake the future of your franchise on somebody who has more than, you know, we don't know the number keeps growing, but it's definitely more than a dozen uh, allegations against him like this. And it's even more, and this is not something people are really talking about, but it should be um, our prior owner had to step out of the organization and sell the team because of sexual misconduct. The lens on getting somebody like Deshaun Watson, if you're David Tepper, if you're the guy who's been billed as more progressive and the new owner setting things right with this organization, I just don't think you can be in play anymore. And I wouldn't sign off on it at this point.
0: It's kind of wild when you think that, you know, just a month ago, that none of this was there and now we're, we're here and, and it's like, you know, nothing's been proven or confirmed or anything like that, but this, the stink of it is just going to be there for maybe the rest of his career. So yeah, it just seems kind of counterproductive at this point for the Panthers to continue to even be involved with anything with it, but stranger things have happened. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, following that as the story goes along. Uh, Eric wanted to uh, say thank you for uh, coming in and uh, doing this with us today and getting us uh a little bit more enlightened on what's happened with the Panthers and their defensive free agency pickups.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me today.
0: All right. And coming up next more franchise players here on tobacco, road sports, radio.com. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V
1: on YouTube.